I know you're out there. I know that you're afraid. You're afraid of us. You're afraid of change. I don't know the future. I didn't come here to tell you how this is going to end. I came here to tell you how it's going to begin. I'm going to hang up this phone, and then I'm going to show these people what you don't want them to see. A world without rules and controls, without borders or boundaries. A world where anything is possible. Where we go from there is a choice I leave to you. Connecting the dots of the Constitution for you like no one else can. The Chris Ann Hall Show. She's an attorney, a disabled U.S. Army veteran, an author, public speaker, mother, pastor's wife, and a patriot. She's Chris Ann Hall. Rise and shine, liberty-loving patriots. Welcome to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. Chris Ann Hall here. You can find us at chrisannhall.com, K-R-I-S-A-N-N-E-H-A-L-L.com, where we are always liberty over security, principle over party, and truth over your favorite personality. I have with me my husband and co-host, J.C. Hall, and we endeavor Monday through Thursday and a double dose on Saturday to bring you Constitution current events, Truth, fact, not fiction, not fake news, and not political party agenda. Welcome to Wednesday, hump day. That's what they call it, right? We're halfway through the week. Problem is when you work for yourself, every day is a work day. (laughs) So it doesn't really mean that much to us. We have had some time some downtime on our teaching travels and we've been working diligently on Liberty First University and I I've been um I've been working on this new class JC uh, about what what we're going to be filming is a, a class on Federalist 45 James Madison says uh, the power delegated by the proposed Constitution to the federal government are few and defined. Those that remain in the states are numerous and indefinite. And so I have on my forefront of my mind this understanding of the very, very limited nature of federal power. And it's just always amazing to me, this course that we're going to be publishing in the next couple days uh, covers Federalists 41 through 45, because you can't just pull it out of context, because Madison does a great deal of explaining. We're going to be hearing from other people besides Madison as well. But it just it, it's absolutely stunning to me, as someone trained in law, as someone who is in a community of people, who claim to be trained in law, who claim to have an, uh, uh, an understanding of government and the Constitution, who, who not only claim but have to take an oath to support and defend the Constitution of the United States. It's always stunning to me that this group of people that I am associated with, many of which are our politicians, our Supreme Court justices are of this crowd, have absolutely no concept whatsoever as to the plainness by which our founders created the Constitution itself. Yeah. 
I mean, they took the time in great detail to explain every reason why they did. And they had to because, remember, this, this was tried in the court of public opinion. So you have these, this, after the Constitution, as its draft is published, you have this, this volley of, of newspaper articles and this volley of discussion uh, by the people who are opposed to the Constitution creating the federal government, by those who are uh, in favor of the Constitution creating the federal government. Yeah, the, these correspondents really make a user's manual Absolutely. to the Constitution, which is shocking to me. So you talk about all those people. It's not taught in, in their training. So not it, anymore. It's shocking to me you're a lawyer, become a judge, what have you, and, and that's not part of your training. So, like, if you, you know, if you went to school to be a diesel mechanic, you know, they break out the manuals and you go through, here's how the engine works and – you know they don't they don't do that in law school. It's it's crazy to me how you don't look at the Federalist Papers uh, and and uh, anti-Federalist right. Papers. It's it, it's really beyond comprehension. Well, what's even more beyond comprehension is the 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 teaching that says we can't know. I mean, we yeah. actively teach that we cannot know what they meant. Yeah. And I suppose it's not beyond comprehension when you realize it's intentional, you know, because they're trying to they're trying to feed a different message. But, yeah, then then to go further and say, because I think there are a lot of useful idiots. Mm-hmm. Right. There there are people who honestly believe when they say that. Well, you can't know. Right. Mm-hmm. We've heard that from people and they honestly believe that. Right. 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 Well, that's just uh, it, it is it is something of great frustration for me. Uh, as a teacher of the Constitution, to to not only see how how simplistically they presented it to us, and then have to combat the complexities created by the lies. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's 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 one thing to reach a people who have been taught for 150 years that the Constitution is beyond their understanding, and even if you could understand it, it's irrelevant to begin with. It's one thing to reach, try to, you know, to, to reach people with that information, but then have to, to combat the things that are taught, that are just flat-out lies. I'm reminded of that. <laughs> I'm, I'm in uh, my Bible study this week has been in the, in the book of Acts, and I'm reminded of... of uh, when Jesus says to Saul, it's difficult kicking against the pricks. Right. <laughs> and, and that's what it feels like. It feels like, you know, it, it ought not be that hard. But don't you think that's part of a control mechanism? Oh, absolutely. And when, absolutely. You, think about, when you think about how uh, the legal field with all the language and the jargon and, and uh, the legalese, as people call it, right. and the way things right. are expressed, so it seems to me... Uh, as if it's done on purpose so yeah. that people can understand. That's one of the that, things. That's what's funny. <laughs> when you were yeah. um, you were going to the inter- one of the interviews, I think on uh, law and crime. Right. And I think it was those guys who, who's, you know, one of the people that were, were talking with you to get you <clears throat> to get you on there was saying, you, you know, you're a lawyer, you're trained as a lawyer, you understand all this stuff, but you don't you don't talk like a lawyer is what they said. You don't right. talk like one of these guys. Yeah, they said, "Wow, you 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 have this ability to break it down so yeah. simply." So it seems like the legal field goes out of their way to make things obtuse, to make things 
to where you can understand it. And I that strikes me as on purpose. Yeah, and I always t- I, I love trying to teach people on how to read cases in in law and and read what judges and lawyers write. And one of the first things that I tell them is whenever you see cuz judges and lawyers like to drop in those little Latin phrases. Yeah. And we don't speak Latin, but we memorize certain we're we're required to memorize certain statements. And I always tell them whenever you come across a Latin in in uh, an opinion or a brief, just skip it because it doesn't have any meaning to the text whatsoever and quite likely they're going to explain what it means in English yeah. afterwards because everybody knows, nobody knows Latin and the only reason they're putting it in there is a meta message. Yeah, so they just can look to, smart. Just to show you, you how smart, really smart they are. And I, and I just, I, I, I think I got off into this discussion a little bit further than I wanted to, but... I want to mention here that if we could just comprehend the simple subject of limited spheres of government between the states and the federal government, yeah. how much, how, how many of the problems that we have with government today, both state and federal, would just be simply solved. They'd evaporate if we understood the separate spheres of government, the limited nature of the federal government, and the, uh, as Madison calls it, the everything else government yeah. of the states. I'm looking at f- this. But uh, you know, it strikes me that the founders didn't write. They didn't express themselves that way, like no. the, in the complicated way. Now, you know, if you read them, they use words that we're no longer familiar with, you know, but that's not the same thing. And their grammar structure is a little bit more complicated yeah. because we don't, I mean, but face they, it, we don't teach English in school anymore. Well, sure, but they wrote in such a way that, you know, they wanted to be understood. Oh, well, you in can In contrast read it. Yeah. to, it seems to me, the modern legal writing they write in a way so as not to be understood. Yeah, I, I love I love I love reading them. Um, I'm I'm a very quick reader, so when I pick up a book or a novel or something fun to read, um, uh, a thousand pages done in a day, right? That, I mean, that's just the way I am. But these guys are not reading; it's feasting, yeah. and and I, I really enjoy that. So I'm looking at this article on Fox News published two days ago, where the uh, federal government has approved f- funding and security funding for security and security for stadiums and malls in America. Mm-hmm. Now their complaint, well here here's the crazy thing. The complaint was it's for stadiums and malls but not hotels. If we understood the limited nature of the federal government, this would not even be an article. This would not be something that the federal government would be funding. This is not something that the American people would expect the federal government to be funding, regardless of the uh, argument of security, right? Yeah, it seems like it's your business. You ought to secure your own business, provide security for your own business. And I, and I mentioned to them, look. Well, I, well wait a minute. How is, how is it? So since this is government funding, is that what I'm talking about? Yeah. Is that mm-hmm. what we're saying? Corporate buildings uh, strengthen, uh, earned U.S. protections yes. in their efforts. Mm-hmm. Not only funding, but but like you're going to see TSA in these places yeah. or some TSA kind of thing in these places. So they're saying you can't sue these places? Right, right. 
so how no, is you that, can't right they have liability protection. protections so, yeah so, so how is how can you extend that if you're the federal government how do you extend that to one and not extend that to well the that's other? what i was talking about though uh, this is not just simply funding right this is not just simply providing manpower this is providing quasi-governmental immunities as well so now we have private corporations who are not going to be in charge of their own thing. So the government's going to come in like the TSA. And if something happens in the building based on the negligence of these officers, then you can't sue them, right? So you're going to have the Department of Homeland Security in malls, in um, what was the other places? Malls and stadiums. And the argument now is we need them in hotels as well. So now we're creating public-private partnerships with these corporations based on federal power. Welcome back to the Chris Hall Daily Journal. Daily Journal, your daily dose of, of constitution, liberty-minded thinking in the face of contemporary society crying for a king. And this is what's crazy to me. We, we have to get back to this understanding of this is a state's job, this is a private business job, and this is the federal government's job. And it may seem... It may seem trivial to some people, but I want to, I wonder, you know, when we, do you remember when we were in New York and we went to Penn Station, we took the Long Island Railroad to Penn Station and we got off and there weren't TSA agents there. There were actually military personnel standing there with full armed complement and dogs. Mm -hmm. Is, is that the kind of society that America wants to live in some people do yeah yeah well i don't think that's america though and that's not the principles upon which we were founded uh it's amazing uh, maybe all of this i'm just hypersensitive to this because like i said i've been working on this class for liberty first university and james madison is in in federalist 41 or 42 just simply comes out and says that uh, the the army, uh, the, the, the military capability of the United States is going to be very, very limited, more limited than the military capability of, of the federal, of, of Great Britain, in that Congress can only fund a military for a two-year term. So how do you know those were military? Did it say army on their uniform? Yeah. Because I have a hard time telling the difference. Yeah. If it's police well, that's a very military, good point. There's a very good point. Know? But I remember seeing okay. U.S. Army on there. They were U.S. Army uniforms. I, I see what's, I mean, it'll say police. They're yeah. referred to as police, and they look like they're, they look like they're, you know, a, a Navy SEAL team in 
the middle of Baghdad. I mean, yeah. Well, I think these were actually National Guard, but you National Guard wears U.S. Army Air Force uh, uniforms, so they don't say National Guard yeah, on but them. So they say U.S. Army. <laughs> other well, than other than the label yeah, that says whatever right. service. Yeah, but you're right. But this is this is this uh, Thomas. I'm sorry, James Madison talks about how how it will be veritably impossible to have a continual standing army with the proper application of the Constitution. Yeah, no, it, that's it's definitely. You know, because people have them in first off, you have a lot of a lot of problems with that because there is a general sense of what I call status nationalism in, mm-hmm. in America. Uh, so law enforcement and military are looked at in such a way as as to create an environment where that if they wanted to, they can get away with whatever they want to. Right. Right. Exactly. So we give them a huge pass. And so. It's just human nature. You put people in that position. Right. When bad people get in that position, you've now you've now thrown away all the checks and balances because you see a uniform and everything's okay. Then when when bad actors get in that situation, as we see from time to time, mm-hmm. th- there's no restraint, and then you, they have that kind of power in their hands. You know. So that's one thing. The other thing is, y- you just can't secure everywhere, right? That's mm-hmm. that's the whole idea, like the argument today with the right to keep and bear arms. You know, when the libs, you don't need you don't need this and nobody needs this. and You're harming people. But you see all these situations where that if a private citizen was armed, mm-hmm. trained and willing to defend, then you could prevent a lot of the violence that that is taking place from these crazed uh, gunmen and what have you. I carry a gun because I can't carry a cop. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, you're you're in a better I think you're in a safer position if you have people armed. Uh, train armed, capable, and willing. You know, that's interesting because the Second Amendment says a well-regulated militia being necessary for the security of the free state, the right yeah. of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. That word well-regulated, that's exactly what that means, well-trained. Yeah, with because the, the, the intent was folks are going to be trained mm-hmm. to be able to protect their right. communities and their fellow citizens. It's the ob- it, it is the obligation of the local government to ensure that their constituents are well trained in using their, their uh, right arms. to keep and bear arms, right? Yeah. And so the idea that we that well regulated means well governed is something that's a radical new kind yeah. of thing. But well, we've met several sheriffs in, in many places that you know open up uh, training for. Right. Their community. And because uh, he said, I remember we were I think we we're in Texas and the sheriff said, I, you know, that's that's another that's like having another officer on the street when I know my citizens are ready to help. As arrogant men tear up our constitution and from every direction we cry revolution standing together and without permission so truth in the war of attrition the love of our country as our ammunition the chris ann hall show she's liberty's lobbyist
Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. Chris Ann Hall here, along with my husband and co-host, J.C. Hall. And, uh, you know, I, I got to give a couple shout-outs today. Can I give some crazy shout-outs? I want to say thank you to our... Shout-out. I hate that phrase. Uh, do Go you ahead. really? Is it very millennial or something? I don't know. Go ahead. <laughs> I, I have received... You can't just say, I want to say hello. I want to say hello. <laughs> I want to say hello. Give a shout-out. Did you hear that? JC laughed on air. <laughs> <laughs> you don't hear JC laugh on air very often. So here's here's the thing. I want to say hello uh, because I am reminded. Oh, man, give him a shout out. Let me give a shout out, man. <laughs> <laughs> I am reminded every day. You don't get to see this, but I am contacted every single day by people who listen to the radio show, who are students at LFU, uh, follow us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. And l- this week must have been the I'm an over the road truck driver, traveler, let's contact Chris Ann and JC week. Yeah. And so I just, I want to say thank you to all of you who are engaging in the the state-to-state, intrastate commerce that makes America amazing. I, man, I've said this before. I, I'm, I really am a huge fan of truck drivers because <laughs> it, it's, it's such a significant part of what makes America yeah. go. I mean, without the truck driving industry, and I have a cousin who's a professional truck driver, um, I mean, our economy would collapse it instantly. Would. And, would. and I, and the thing is, they're so overlooked right. until you get mad at one on the interstate, right? Right, right. Um, so, I mean, people don't think about the significance of, of the truck driving community. So I, I'm always, I always appreciate that. We get contacts from, hey, I listen to you driving over, you know, mm-hmm. over the road truck driver and what have you. Uh, I think that's awesome. I like it. I also want to say guten tag to yeah. our German listeners. I don't, I've been telling <laughs> you, this is crazy. So we, we know we can see, we can't see who you are, but we can see where you are right. listening you watch to the, the show. demographics or right. whatever they call it, the geographic So here's the crazy thing. We have seven people in Germany who, who listen to the show re- regularly, you, every single it day. uploads and they're on it. And they're on it. This week... <laughs> We went to 13. So our seven have multiplied in Germany. Are we going to take over Germany? Or is Liberty going to take over Germany? It's going nuts over there in Germany. You have these, so you have these immigrant, um, some of, I guess the Arab, whatever, Arab immigrants over there. You know, it's been a big problem when Merkel Mm -hmm. opened up with the Syria thing and all this sort of stuff. Big controversy. But you have a lot of these stabbings taking place. There's several of these migrants just stabbing and attacking well, they attacked some uh, German, I guess he was uh, Cuban, uh, German of Cuban descent, whatever. Some guy got stabbed by one of these uh, immigrants, Arab immigrants. And, man, they got riots over there. The stuff is going nuts. So well, you know, uh, Thomas Paine said that crisis is the breeding ground for liberty. So maybe yeah. we can, you know, that's so. So thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, our German listeners. I don't know if you guys are U.S. military over there on German bases or German people, but I'm really, really excited, and I want to say thank you not only for listening, but thank you for expanding, right? Thank you for multiplying the reach of liberty. And I want to challenge everybody out there that's listening, Germany and all over the world, multiply. Be fruitful and multiply the principles of liberty. I want to challenge you to share our radio show with five people this week. Yeah. Five people. Give five new people. If everybody listening to the show got five new people listening. 
But that would know, be awesome. It's funny talking about Germany and the stuff happening over there. I see that as I read, you know, I read a lot of international news, as you know. And so you see the same thing going on here. So anybody who, when you talk about any kind of problem with immigration mm-hmm. or immigrant, uh, some immigrants that commit crimes and, and end up in the news, anytime you criticize it, it's just like over here. Racist. You're a neo-Nazi. You're so racist. anybody who, who has a problem with any of these things going on, they're all labeled as Nazis, racist, you're, you're, you're purveying hate and all this sort of stuff. So, I mean, I don't understand where hate comes in you have somebody attacked and stabbed and killed, and then you're opposed to that. How does that make you a racist? Yeah, <laughs> I don't want people being stabbed. Racist? Yeah. You're it's, racist. It's crazy. It's funny because we have Colton, who is 12, and uh, we we see this generation coming behind the millennials, right? Yeah. And And so Colton's probably more articulate than the average 12 year old just by based on how he's being raised and what he's been exposed to and he has he's always had a unique grasp of language and and that may be you know because of who we are as well but he loves sarcasm and i see him use these catchphrases of the millennials and throw them back at us and make fun of them and in sarcasm and i know that his friends are doing that too which is encouraging to me but yeah. speaking of racism. The <laughs> younger crowd mocking the millennials yeah, ahead of him. It's I know. Funny. But you're going to see a lot exciting. of that. You're going to see a lot of that racist stuff here in Florida where we are oh, with yeah. the governor's race now. We just came through the primaries. And uh, so Ron DeSantis came through, which is which I think is crazy cool. Beat the establishment guy, Adam Putnam. <gasps> Can I just give me just one second to just cheer and you're gonna make some? And, no. You're gonna make some Facebook people and be mad at me. I don't care. They I, don't know. If you go to Chris Ant, if if you're a Floridian and you and nah, you want to know, just right. scratch him off the list. He's done. He's done. Bye bye. Bye bye. Never mind. So the I'm globalist just excited. Adam Putnam, established establishment Republican globalist Adam Putnam, was defeated by Ron DeSantis, but on the Democrat side, Andrew Gillum defeated the establishment. Uh, Democrat, which is uh, crazy Graham, because Gwen Graham, Gwen Graham, Graham, Graham had the name. Graham is Graham's have been in politics yeah. so in Florida forever. Yeah, so legacy candidate with the name, name recognition. She lost, but I, and I so I think, and this is, I think, true in, in uh, nationally and in many other states. But if it's true here in Florida, then it's definitely going to be a problem elsewhere, and that's this. I believe Gillum winning the primary shows that the so-called moderate establishment Democrats no longer have control of their party. It shifted totally left. This guy is a far left progressive, uh, quote unquote, progressive socialist, radical socialist. And so I that's who controls the Democrat Party now, I think, fully. Well, let me mention to you, uh, to the people out there, some some dynamics that maybe you don't understand because I grew up in the North, right? And so the the natural inclination is going to be, well, he's a Democrat. Of course he's a liberal progressive, but that's not so in the no, South. No, no, In the South, they have, the Democrats are what they call blue dogs or Dixiecrats. They're, they're actually very conservative Correct. people um, whom this evidence, by what you're saying, the, the evidence of, of Gillum's winning the Democratic ticket in what? Florida... In, it indicates that 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 conservative part of the Southern Democrat 
is gone in the party. Yeah. You f- okay, listen up. If you got friends, you got family members in the South or believe themselves to be blue dog Democrats, you got to... You yeah, your party's sh- gone. Take them by the shoulders and shake them and say, look, my friend, see, look, sou- man, I love you. It's gone. It's gone. It's gone. They've left you. Yeah, see, the Southern Democrats Walk have, away. have many, uh, share many of the conservative values in the South mm-hmm. uh, that the Republicans have. Uh, one... One thing historically why the Democrat, why the Southern Democrats are where they are is because of the poverty issue, right? The poverty element in that. And so a lot of, a lot of poor and the poor Democrats, even though they're conservative in their views socially and, di- and, and different things, they support these sort of the help programs, right? The mm-hmm. welfare type programs, mm-hmm. even though they believe work hard and they don't want to pay big taxes and they whatever. that social uh, a liberal so- social liberal or the, what is that called? Uh, social justice? No, it's a social liberal instead of a fiscal conservative. They're yeah, fiscally I, I conservative I and socially liberal. I don't know what liberal. kind of label. I don't know how you, it, I don't know if it has some tidy label but yeah. I can say, you know, they support the help type programs, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it's a lot of reason why they're Democrats and they've been trained that the Republicans are fat cats and you know, they're they're out for the corporations and not the little guy, whatever, which we know establishment Republicanism uh, is absolutely that, um, which is why we're Washingtonian. But so anyway, you know, that's what you have here. So Ron DeSantis versus Andrew Gillum, leftist socialist. So here's the thing about Florida, like many states, but particularly Florida, Floridians as a majority don't they don't support the socialism that this guy stands for. Mm-hmm. So undoubtedly, the. The uh, campaign or the race, governor's race is going to be about about race, about racism, mm-hmm. right? Because you have black candidate versus, you know, this racist white Republican, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And, of course, DeSantis has already stepped in it, apparently saying, you, got, you guys don't need to monkey this up by supporting this guy's socialist agenda. Oh, he said the word monkey. That's a racist dog whistle. So he's already a racist. He described Gillum as art- articulate. Um, so you can't do that. That's another racist dog whistle. Wait so, a minute. So wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Stop, yeah, you can't stop, say stop, articulate. Stop. Articulate? You can't call someone no, articulate? No, that's racist. You can't call a black person articulate. That's racist. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> whoa. You didn't know? See, that's my point. Whoa. I was just about to say we, we're going to have to make a list because candidates, first of all. Articulate is a compliment. No, see, that's the thing. You can't compliment you someone? You, you, you compliment someone now, you're a racist? Because you're not a racist, you don't think in these terms. And because you're not a Democrat, right, you don't think in terms of victimhood. See, that's what, let so me, let me make this. we have to make a list. So all these candidates need to have a list so that they know. Uh, pick other words. Yeah, if you I need. Say that. I need a list. I really do <laughs> because I think what's happening here is what you said just now. Because you're not a racist, you don't see it this way, right? But that shows me that it's actually the Democrats who are the racist. Well, that's a given. Because right, I know, but why? What? Why can't norm, why can't the normal people that we know who are still Democrats right. see that? Yes, yeah, that's a great that's, question. That's my question. Why? I'm 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 just totally. I, I, you've. Because propaganda speechless. is powerful. I am and speechless. tribalism is powerful. I, I'm here. Here you have on the air, Chris Ann, stuttering over <laughs> words because articulate You're not sure is which now one is racist. a racist comment. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I you know, I, we talked about this. I didn't know what monkey it up means. I never, I never really thought about it. But yeah, it's, so I've heard that phrase. It's a derivative you, you, of never heard the phrase. monkey wrench. Yeah, throw a monkey wrench in the word. Which throw that's a probably racist. I mean, anything, anything, monkey, gorilla. I, somebody said big gorilla. Uh, some uh, officer said that the other day was fired or something. But there's an MMA fighter who, who's a black man who's, okay, whose nickname see, is 
the gorilla. Part that you don't understand. He calls himself the if gorilla. You, yeah, if you are black, you can say whatever. You can say those things. But if you, as a white person, say it about a black person, then you're racist. I'm still, I'm still flipping out over we'll the get, whole we'll, articulate we'll thing. How type, do, how do I'm gonna type you up a manual, <laughs> and you know you'll be able to understand and follow what you can say, what you can't say, what they are allowed to say. So now I got to carry her around my my racist translation book, so I don't it's like offend 19, someone. Yeah, it's like trying 1984, to right? You, it's like you have approved words. Remember Orwell's yeah, 1984? Right, there right. are words you can say, words you can't say, things that were just deleted from the vocabulary. Chris Ann Hall Show. She's Liberty's lobbyist. Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. I just, this is Chris Ann Hall. I'm with my husband and co-host, <laughs> J.C. Hall. And still speechless. I am still speechless. I don't understand this. See, I'm going to say what I'm going to say. Yeah. I don't care. Well, so I, I am They want to say racist, whatever. I don't want. I know who I am. I'm just wondering how do I compliment someone today? Because, I, you know, there's certain lines. I can, I can understand the... the their specific racial slurs, whatever. But I want to ask you something. Running a, a gubernatorial election and voting for someone just because they're going to be possibly the state's first black governor, isn't that racist? It is. Okay. It, it absolutely is. But if I think that I want to vote but for him here, because he's articulate, not because he's black, that makes me racist too. <laughs> right, exactly. But that's the plan. Like You see, you have to understand, Democrats, they don't have a platform. All they have, they have no good ideas or anything. Nobody that, you know, nothing that uh, most people support except a lot of these millennial socialist leftist, you know, uh, deadbeats and freeloaders that want free everything, support this. But that's not a majority of the people. So they don't have a platform, right? They don't have a message. So they have to, what they're doing is they're looking at the Barack Obama blueprint, right? That was the last time they were successful. So that's what they see in this guy in Florida. They want to they wanna do Barack Obama again, right? They want that, that phenomenon to happen again. And they think that's what's going to happen with Andrew Gillum. I, I can tell you it's not going to happen. But that's their plan. You know, we we saw a large number of Republicans as opposed to Democrat turnout at the Florida. Yeah, it was a bigger Republican term, turnout in the primary. I think you're seeing that across the country in many primaries. So, and that's been a concern of the Democrats that they're not very motivated. But and and so again, they that's because they don't have a message and they don't have a popular. Well, message. not only that, you get Hillary Clinton's your stinking poster child. How would you get motivated to get out under under that banner? Yeah, I mean, well, seriously, the, and the Democrats have moved. Remember that they said they lost because they weren't left enough. So they have moved farther to the left. They got more radical extreme. So that's their thing. The fact of the matter is they're alienating more of their centrist, moderate Democrats. And you and I, we talked about this before, and we were seeing these articles where your establishment Democrats, your centrist Democrats, your moderate Democrats uh, were complaining about the monochromatic I hate Trump agenda. 
right. saying that you guys got to have more than this. We have to develop a message, and we don't have one. So that's all they have. I, we hate Trump. They're running against Trump. So they have they have the Trump hate train, and they have the race you know race you're racist misogynist. Like that's all their thing. Racism, misogyny. Period. You know, that's but it. here's the thing. Um, the Democratic Party is going to continue to fraction over this this ultra uber uh, uh, progressive liberal Marxist yeah, well, agenda because my dad's not going to follow that. Well, I think so. And my family members aren't going to follow that. No, you know, so I mean, they think that's ridiculous. My prediction is you'll just like in, just like in the Republican side, you you have the constant talk and the move about. A third party, particularly when the, the Tea Party movement was was uh, intense at its most intense. This is what I think you're going to see. So you have Cortez and these guys running as uh, call themselves Democrat socialist or socialist Democrats. So I mm-hmm. think you're going to see a, a sort of a coalescing and perhaps kind of a push or a breakup of the party where that maybe I maybe the first uh, third party you'll see will not be on the Republican side. It'll be on the Democrat side. So because I think they're sort of freewheeling and radical yeah. enough to do that. I, I don't think it's in the right's nature. I don't think it's the Republican side in their nature to uh, to do something like that. But I think it is in the nature of the Democrats to do to do that. So I think, I think it's uh, a greater possibility on their side to see a split in that party. You know, we are in primary season, which... I want to reiterate as we close out the show today is not a civic function. It is a private corporate club function. Primary elections are where the two private or three private corporate clubs choose who's going to represent them in the general election. So that's what the primaries are. If you want to know that, I actually have an article on uh, chrisannhall.com that explains that uh, the parties are actually private corporate clubs. So don't monkey this up. Go to (laughs) chrisannhall.com. Go to libertyfirstuniversity.com. Sign up. Get armed with what you need to know. (laughs) Don't monkey it up. God bless you guys. We'll see you tomorrow. I was one in sharing the blessings I received Let me know in my heart When my days are through America, America I gave my best to you